you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. That's where we find ourselves this morning in the story as we continue reading through the Bible in 2013. And I just need to let you know uh, that, that the end is near, okay? We have three more weeks of this series until we get to the goal line of reading all the way through the Bible in 2013. If you've been uh, trekking along with Genesis Church through that whole thing, I commend you in that. Don't give up. Uh, the goal line is in sight. We just finished looking at the life and ministry of Jesus over the past month. And as we come to Acts chapter 2 this morning, uh, let me just give you a reminder of what has happened. So Jesus came, he died, and, uh, and he defeated death. He rose again, and he has now um, ascended back into heaven. And his disciples watched this happen. And they had to be thinking, well, what now? You know, we're still here, Jesus is gone, what's the plan now? And what we find in the book of Acts is that God's plan is the church. And the book of Acts is an account of the beginning of the church. It's where we look uh, when we want to see what God intended the church to look like. How did he intend it to operate and to function? And what is our role in it? This is where we study. It's the book of Acts, specifically Acts chapter 2. And so let's read it together, starting in verse 42. Acts 2.42 says this, They devoted themselves, and it's speaking of the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And right here in the text, we're given four specific things that the early church was devoted to. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And for us, that would be the Bible. They were devoted to biblical teaching. It says they were devoted to fellowship. They were, developed, they were devoted to community with one another and relationships. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And in this context, it's specifically talking about communion. It's a time set aside to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his body broken, his blood poured out for our sins. It's what we observed here at Genesis Church last weekend, if you were with us. And then finally, it says that they devoted themselves to prayer. These were the things that the early church devoted themselves to. It was teaching, fellowship, communion, and prayer. And then as we read on, we find the result of their devotion to these things. Starting in verse 43, it says this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." And when you hear that description of the original church, doesn't it just kind of fill you with a sense of awe and a sense of wonder and a sense of, man, this is the way that things were supposed to be. And because of the early church's commitment and their devotion to these things, God blessed it. It says that he added to their number daily with new people being saved. But there's one phrase in this text that the Lord really captured my heart and my attention with this week. It's in verse 47. And it says that the early church enjoyed the favor of all the people. Did you catch that as we read through there? They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And think about that for a minute. I mean, when we look at church today and we think about society's view of church, by and large, would you say that the church has retained this favorable standing with all the people? Would you say that people still look on the church favorably? And if not, you know, has something been lost? Has something changed? Well, I think if we're being completely honest, we'd have to say that, yeah, something has changed. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today is, is what is it that's changed? What is it that, that has crept in in some subtle ways and some not so subtle ways that, that we've lost sight of what the church was supposed to look like? How, how was it supposed to operate? What's our role supposed to be in it? And I just want to say up front that what we're going to talk about today, um, it might step on your toes a little bit. I recognize that. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. But what I want to ask from you this morning is that you would be honest with yourself about your thoughts on these things, that you would be honest before the Lord, and that we would really examine our hearts in light of Scripture. Okay, that's our guide. That's what's going to give us direction, that, that we would examine our attitudes and our hearts and our thoughts in light of what God's Word has to say about this. So here's what I want to do. I want to take this description that we just read of the early church from Acts chapter 2, and I want to compare and contrast that with some images that I think capture how many of us have come to think about church today, okay? So here's the first one, and it's the image of a movie theater. Now, I love going to the movies. I bet you enjoy going to the movies too. I was trying to think back to the last movie that I saw with my family, and I think it was Despicable Me Too. We went and saw that this past summer, and, uh, you know, everything changes when you have kids. That includes your choice of movies. But, uh, but think about when you go to the movies, why do, why do we go? Well, we go to be entertained, right? We go to be entertained and maybe to be inspired. Movies can do that for us, too. They can inspire us. I can't say that I was inspired uh, to do anything significant by watching Despicable Me Part 2, uh, maybe to get more minions. I don't know. But, uh, but think about what happens when you go to a movie theater. You walk in. You sit down in a comfortable chair. You've maybe got some snacks, your Coke and your popcorn. You're listening to audio on state-of-the-art surround sound. You're watching a, a huge, brilliant screen in front of you, and everything in this environment is geared toward your entertainment. And the movie wraps up, and we walk out, and what do we do? We, we critique it, right? How was it? Was it a good movie? Did the plot drag? Were the actors good? Did it have a surprise ending? Will we give it two thumbs up? And I just want you to think about how you might be approaching church. Because whether we realize it or not, this movie theater mentality creeps into this room every Sunday morning, where we come in thinking of ourselves as the audience that is here to be entertained. You know, we laugh a little, maybe we cry a little, and as we walk out, we, we probably don't even mean to, but we evaluate it. You know, was the, was the music good? Was it too loud? Did the sermon go too long? Was it too preachy or too watered down? Did it satisfy me? Did I get something out of it? And I just want to be really clear that as the church, we are not the audience. Okay? We did not come here this morning to be entertained. We are not the audience. God is the audience, and we are the worshipers. And remember what we read about the early church. It wasn't just coming to a place for an hour to be entertained. It had nothing to do with that. Instead, what did we see at the beginning of verse 42? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that word devoted, it's so important. It means that this is what they were committed to. They had committed themselves to this. It was a way of life for them. They weren't just coming for some song and dance to be entertained. They were looking to the word of God for guidance and direction. And is that our intent when we come in here on Sunday mornings? 
We're not just coming together to be entertained by good music and an inspirational message. We're coming together because the word of God is our compass. It's going to guide and direct all of our decisions. It's going to guide who we are and who we're becoming as followers of Jesus Christ. It's going to guide and direct the decisions we make concerning our families and our marriages and our relationships. It's going to determine the kinds of decisions that we make financially. It's not just coming to a place to be entertained, but we are devoting our lives to the word of God. So here's my prayer for Genesis Church, that when we gather together, the spirit in which we worship and listen to the word of God in which is one in which we are humble in heart and we ask God, what needs to change in me? That when we walk out, we don't say, how was it? But we say, God, we are here for you. We are devoted to you. We are devoted to your word and what needs to change in me. And folks, that's not gonna happen if we think of ourselves as an audience that's here to be entertained. We are not the audience. God is the audience, and we are the worshipers. Another image I think that we could use to describe how we think of the church is that of a store. And what do we do in a store? We shop, right? On any given week, you you or I could probably spend two, three, four hours just walking up and down the aisles of a store looking for what we want at the prices that we want to spend. And if we don't find it, we'll go to a different store. Just recently, uh, my family needed to buy new shoes for my oldest daughter, Kate. And, uh, and buying kids' shoes is a little bit maddening to me uh, because you go through the whole process and you finally find the pair of shoes that's the right fit and the right price, and then a couple of weeks later, their feet grow, and then you have to do it all over again, right? But we're like most of you. We want a good deal. We don't just buy the first pair of shoes that fits. We're going to shop around. We're going to see, you know, where's the best deal? What's the best deal that we can get for our money? So we, we go from store to store. We might go to three, four, five different places to find the best deal. And we don't stop until we find what we want. And this language and this mentality have now become a part of the church. I mean, what do we say when we're looking for a new church? We say we're church shopping, right? We're church shopping, we're, we're checking out our options. We're looking to see what you have to offer. You know, we're seeing what's on the shelf. And listen, I'm not trying to give anybody a hard time. Okay, if you've said that to me, I'm not mad at you. Uh, we're, we can still be friends. But we have to compare this to Scripture. What do we find in the early church? It's the second thing that we read about in Acts 2.42. It's a group of people who are devoted, it says, to the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. They're devoted to one another. That's really what that's saying. It's not what shoppers in a store are devoted to. Okay, shoppers in a store, if you see one item left on the shelf, a shopper in the store is going to make sure, you know, that I get that item. A shopper in the store, when you see a, a checkout line that's shorter than all the others, I'm going to make sure I get to that line first, right? Shoppers in a store are looking out for number one. But here's the way the early church is described. Listen to what it says in verse 44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They had everything in common. So there's this unity, this idea that we're all in this together. It was a picture, really, of family. It was a picture of brothers and sisters coming together and looking out for each other's needs. And it says they had everything in common. Isn't that an interesting phrase? I mean, did they really have everything in common? Like they all had the same favorite color and they all liked eating the same food? Well, of course not. These, these folks had different opinions. They had different likes and dislikes. But it's as if they had everything in common because they had the most important thing in common. And what was that most important thing? 
Well, it was a commitment to Jesus Christ and a commitment to his church. It was the most important thing about them. And that is my hope for us as a church, that Genesis Church would be a place where brothers and sisters come together, knowing that we're different, but that we have the most important thing in common. And because of that, we're a family. We're the family of God. We've been adopted by the Lord into his family. There was a story in the news a while back that I think uh, really illustrates this beautifully. I want to show you the news clip. Check out this video. For Gary Nisbet, there was something familiar about his new coworker, Randy Jubert. Two months ago, Jubert started delivering furniture for a Waldoboro main store that Nisbet had worked at for seven years. And people are saying we look like brothers, and and we go on deliveries together for the last month and a half, and uh, we keep getting it. Nisbet was adopted as a baby. He'd found the name of his birth parents, and also discovered that he had a younger brother. All he knew was a first name and a birth date. And one day, while Nisbet and Jubert were making a delivery. Something clicked with me. I said, I'm going to go out this door and ask him a strange question. So I uh, got him up by the truck and, and said, Gary, it's going to sound bizarre, but were you adopted? And he kind of stares at me and, yeah. I said, what's your birthday? June 10th, 1974. And I knew that I'm searching for this guy. I'm like, I know that birthday. I said, do you have your original uh, birth certificate? Do you know your parents' names? He said, yep. And I said, is it uh, Wilfred and Joan Pomeroy? Just stares at me. How do you know my parents' names? And uh, I said, those are my birth parents' names. So I've been riding around with this guy for a month and a half, and he's my full-blooded brother. So what was that like? Phenomenal. It turns out that both men were adopted by families in the same county. They went to rival high schools and even lived in the same town the last few years. They kept their discovery a secret for two weeks, before finally telling their employers. And he said, I would have never found him if you didn't hire me to work here. And I started crying. Then the word got out. And he said, Gary's my brother. And I just started crying, you know. I cried. I was so happy for them because they're two wonderful guys. Two guys who now have a lifetime of catching up to do. Matt Friedman, The Associated Press. Isn't that an awesome story? It's, It's incredible. I mean, these two guys... Uh, you know, living in the same town. They end up working for the same company. They end up riding around in the same truck. People telling them all the time, you guys look alike. Well, it's because they're brothers. <laughs> they're family, right? And isn't that a beautiful picture of what happens in the church? I mean, it's people discovering brothers and sisters that they never knew they had. Some of you, I know, have come from extremely difficult and even dysfunctional Uh, biological families. And when you found Genesis Church, this place really became your family to the point that when something great happens in your life and there's something to be celebrated, it's not your biological mom and dad that you call. And when there's difficult times and there's a tragedy, it's not your biological brothers and sisters that you call. It's your brothers and sisters in Christ because this has become your family. We have the most important thing in common. Genesis Church, right now, look to your left and to your right. Right now, all across the room, these are your brothers and sisters. This is your family. And I hope that your biological family comes to be a part of this spiritual family too. But this is what we've been called to as a church, to be brothers and sisters, to have a family mentality when we meet together. And we put each other's needs ahead of our own. We sacrifice for one another. And we don't think of ourselves first because that's a shopper's mentality but we think first of each other. That's how the early church was known, 
And that's how I hope our church will be known, as a family. Now look, I'm going to tell you right now that Genesis Church is not a perfect family, okay? It's just not. We don't pretend to be. This place uh, is not perfect. We're not a perfect family. In fact, we've got a lot of Cousin Eddies running around here, okay? You know what I mean? We've got a lot of Cousin Eddies. You know who you are. Well, you might not know who you are, but we know who you are. And, uh, and that's okay because it's not our differences that define us. It's that we have the most important thing in common that defines us. And I just want to say it's time for some of you to stop shopping and to embrace this family. It really is. I believe that one of the things that will really enhance uh, your spiritual growth and one of the things that we really just need around here for the health of this place is people who will come in not saying, hey, what can I get out of this? But who will come in and say, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I love my brothers and sisters in Christ? We are not shoppers looking for what we want. We are brothers and sisters sharing life together. Another image that I think captures how many people uh, think of church is that of a restaurant. And I want you to imagine this morning walking into a restaurant. You're getting ready to be seated to have a nice meal. And just before you sit down, the manager comes out and he hands you a soapy dish rag. And he says, you know what? Before you sit down, could you just help us wipe down a few tables? We are slammed tonight. Could you just help us in this way? And because you're all great, decent, respectable people, you say, sure, we would love to do that. And so you wipe down some tables, uh, and then you have a seat, and the waitress comes to take your order. You tell her what you want, and she says, oh, that you're going to really enjoy that. That's one of our best dishes. And hey, while we're cooking that, would you mind just carrying some plates out to some other people who are waiting on their food? Again, we're just shorthanded tonight. And again, you know, you do it, you, you serve some folks, your food comes, you enjoy your meal, you're wrapping up, you're getting ready to leave, you stand up from the table and the manager comes once more and he says, I, I hope you folks have had a great night tonight. Hey, before you leave, would you mind just washing your dishes? I mean, that would really help us out if you could just wash your dishes before you go. Would you go back to eat at that restaurant? I mean, I wouldn't if we're being completely honest because when we go to a restaurant, we want to be waited on, right? We want to be served. So that's not a very good business model for a restaurant. But I'm afraid that it's how many of us have also come to think of church, that this is a place where, where we come and we sit down and we're served. And so our primary role uh, becomes just to consume and to be fed and you'll even hear people talk about their spiritual growth. They'll say, you know, we just needed to go to a place where we could be fed more, right? Have you heard that before? And I get that. I know that the Bible talks about spiritual food, and so the analogy isn't all bad. I just need you to understand that spiritual growth and spiritual maturity happen much more quickly in the kitchen than at the table. And so what some of us need to do really is to push away from the table and to find a place to serve, we, we need to head back into the kitchen. And that's part of what it means to be the church. We see this in Acts 2.45 where it says, Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. So there was this selfless service that marked the church. I'm going to give of what I have to provide for your needs. You know, I had a, a conversation with a couple that serves in our cafe, faithful servants in our cafe. And um, the conversation, honestly, just broke my heart. And, uh, and I know this isn't true of everyone, but, um, but they talked to me about the mentality sometimes of people who, who would come in just feeling very entitled uh, to, to that service, I guess. 
you know, entitled to, to, to their bagel, demanding their coffee, being very put out when we don't have what it is that they came in and they wanted. And I just want you to know, those, those folks who serve you in our cafe, we don't pay them to do that. Um, they, they do that out of the goodness of their heart. They, they serve in the, in the cafe because they want to bless you. And though we have donuts and, and we have, or we don't have donuts, we have bagels and we have coffee on Sunday mornings, Genesis Church is not a restaurant where we come to be served, but rather all of us should come in here with the intent of serving. You know, all of us should have this mentality of looking out for the needs of others. So I, I just wonder, maybe, uh, maybe it's time for you. Maybe it's time instead of just parking in the parking lot and coming in, maybe it's time for you to join our parking team and to help people get into this building safely. Maybe it's time for you, instead of just sitting in the cafe at one of our tables, maybe it's time to grab that dish rag and start wiping down some tables, get on a team. Maybe it's time for you, instead of just dropping your kids off at Gen Kids or GSM, to volunteer in those ministries and really invest in the lives of this next generation coming up behind us. Maybe it's time for you, instead of just grabbing a program and taking a seat, maybe it's time for you to join our host team and to help someone else feel welcomed and feel like they belong as they come into this place. Because unlike in a restaurant, we are not the customers. We do not come to be served. We are the church. We are servants, and we come to serve. Well, another image I wonder uh, if it would be helpful for us is that of a gas station. And think about what happens at a gas station. The tank is running low, and, uh, and you swing in, you pay at the pump, you fill up your car, and you're in and you're out. It's a fast transaction, and you really don't think about it again until the, the, the tank starts to run low, and then you head back in. And I wonder if that's how some of us have approached church, as if it's a, a fill-up station where uh, you come in once a week, you get your spiritual tank filled, you're in and you're out, and that's it until next week, and then you do it again. But that is so different than how the early church is described in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 46. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It says they met together every day. Every day. This wasn't a, a once a week kind of occurrence for these folks. Okay, This was every day for them. And, and it doesn't mean that, that you're going to come here every day. But it means that you're a part of the church every day, that, that here and in your homes and in your neighborhoods, that, that you are a part of the church, that there's more to this than just an hour on Sunday. And I think the real problem uh, with this is that we tend to think of the church as a place, right? Like, like these four walls are the church. And I'm so careful about this with my kids because my office is right here in this building. And so when I'm leaving for work in, in the mornings, uh, my son Josiah especially, he'll come and he'll wrap his arms and he'll wrap his legs around my leg and he'll say, Dad, do you have to go to church? And I'm so quick to say, no, buddy, I'm not going to church. I'm going to work. Because I want my kids to know that, that church isn't just a place where Dad goes in the morning and then he comes home at supper time. No, church is so much more than that. The church is who we are. It's not this building. It's, made up, it's not made up of brick and mortar, but rather, we are the church. You and I together, we are the church. And that understanding, it changes everything. It, it means wherever this family chooses to meet, that's the church. When you're in your connection groups during the week, that's the church. When you're gathering with friends, you know, over dinner to talk about what the Lord is doing in your life, that's church. When you partner with other believers from this body to serve in our community, that's church. And when we, we look at Acts chapter 2, we see the same spirit and mentality. It was a group of people who loved being together. 
they loved this, this community that had been formed with one another. And I just wonder this morning, is that true of you too? You know, is this community something that you've devoted your life to, or is it just a place that you swing into on the weekends? Because the church is not a place to stop in for a quick fill-up. It's a people we're devoted to. Well, one last image that I think might help us uh, is that of a gym. And I know that uh, a lot of you have gym memberships and you go to the gym. Uh, I know that also that there's probably a lot of you with gym memberships who never go to the gym. You just pay that monthly fee and somehow that makes you feel better about your health. And hey, what, you know, whatever works for you is fine with me. But um, when we think about a gym, what we think about is a place uh, where we go to get in shape. Would that be right? We think about a place we go to get in shape. But, but my understanding and my experience of a gym, and the statistics would back this up, is that a lot of times gyms are where people go um, to stay in shape. And oftentimes it's the people who need to get in shape who feel like they don't belong. I think about my days working at a, at a gym, and you'll notice that's in the past tense. It's a distant memory now. Uh, but I remember, you know, once in a while, someone would come in, and you always knew who the new guy was, right? He just he looked lost, didn't have the right clothes on. Uh, he was obviously out of shape, maybe a little extra junk in the trunk, so to speak. And, uh, and the new guy never knew how to use the equipment, okay? And so I remember one time, uh, I was working out at Club City Fit over in Westfield, and, and the new guy was there. And uh, I think he just thought, I'm going to start out easy. I'm going to hop on a treadmill. But what he didn't know is that you have to be able to program a supercomputer to run on a treadmill at a gym. Have you noticed that? I mean, there's buttons and lights everywhere. And so he gets up on there and, doo -doo 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 -doo, you know, he's pushing all the buttons and trying to make it do something, trying to make it look like he knew what he was doing. And somehow he got that belt going and he got on it and he started running and he started running faster and faster and faster, and pretty soon he couldn't keep up, and the belt shot his feet out from under him. His face hit the platform, and he shot off there like a clay pigeon at a skeet shoot. I'm not kidding. He went rolling across the floor, and I thought the guy was dead or at least seriously hurt, but when he stopped rolling, he popped right back up, jumped back on the machine like nothing had happened, trying to keep his pride intact, and, uh, and just went right back into stride. And, and we, none of us said anything to him. We just, you know, we just pretended it didn't happen. But you can always spot the new guy. I was that guy once. And when I first started going, I remember just feeling completely out of place. You know, I remember guys standing in front of the mirror who just looked completely chiseled and ripped, and they lifted so much more weight than I could, and they did so many more reps than I could, and they knew how to use all the machines, and they wore all the right clothes, and it was just this feeling of, man, I don't belong here. This is for people who are already in shape. And I think a lot of times folks think of the church in this same way, that they don't want to go to church because the church is for people who have their stuff together. You know, churches for people whose lives are in shape, for people whose marriages and relationships are in shape. The churches for people whose finances are in shape. Now, I did some reading this week online, and there was an article in the Chicago Tribune not too long ago about a gym in Naperville, Illinois, where the requirement to join is that you have to want to lose at least 50 pounds. That's the requirement. You can't join this gym unless you want to lose at least 50 pounds. And they explained it. They said, oftentimes, gyms are their own worst enemy because the very people that need their help the most don't feel comfortable coming in. Did you hear that? The very people who need their help the most don't feel comfortable coming in. Hey, Genesis Church, let's don't be that here. 
Let's don't be that. And I'm not saying let's don't be in shape. But I'm saying let's don't pretend to be something we're not like. We're just putting on a show to make people think that we've got all our stuff together and we're sucking our guts in, spiritually speaking, and people from the outside are looking in and it, it looks like we're all in shape, but we're not in shape. I mean, none of us is perfect. God's working in all of our lives and he's moving us towards perfection in his son, Jesus Christ, but none of us have arrived. And people on the outside, they look in and they think, well, they're all in shape and I'm not in shape, so I don't belong there. But this should be a community where anyone can come in and know that they are wanted and they can belong. You don't have to be in shape to belong. I love what it says in verse 47 where it describes what the Lord did. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so the early church was a place really where outsiders were constantly becoming insiders. People knew that this was a place where they could belong. And folks, the mission of Genesis Church is clear. It's helping people find their way back to God. And what does that mean? Well, it means that we are committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ. We are committed to teaching people more and more what it means to love God and to love people. It's what Christ commanded us to do. And it's what the church was designed and called to do. And the church is not a movie theater where we are the audience coming to be entertained. In fact, we're not the audience at all. God's the audience. We're the worshipers. The church is not a shopping center where we just look out for number one. We are not shoppers. We are a family. And the church is not a restaurant where we come to be waited on and to be served. But rather, we are servants and we come to serve. And the church is not a gas station where we swing in once a week just to get filled up. It's actually not a place at all. It's a life that we live in community and in devotion to one another. And the church isn't a gym where only people in shape can feel welcome. Folks, the church is God's plan to rescue and to reach uh, lost and dying people with the hope and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That, that's our purpose. And I think it's time for us to change our thinking on these things. Uh, I want you to think back to that statement that was made about the early church in verse 47, that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And I want you to consider something. If we as the church act no differently than the rest of the world, if we act no differently than, than a guy shopping at the store or, or watching a movie at the theater or, or swinging into the gas station, if we act no differently than the rest of the world, then why in the world would we think that anyone would look favorably on this? I mean, if all we're doing is coming in here on Sundays, looking out for number one, looking what I can get out of this, looking at how I can be served and how my needs can be met, then why would we think that that would be attractive to anyone? But what if, what if Genesis Church was a place that was known for its commitment and its devotion to the word of God? What if, what if we, Genesis Church, were known as a family? And what if we were known for the way that we love our family, we serve our family, we are committed and devoted to this family? What if Genesis Church was a place where outsiders were constantly becoming insiders and people found a place that no matter whether they were in shape or out of shape, that they could belong? Well, I think that that's a church that would win the favor of people, don't you? And I think that that would be a church that would win the favor of God because that's what he designed the church to be. And maybe you're realizing that some of your attitudes and your thoughts about church have been way off. 
And honestly, it's time for you to change your thinking and to change your outlook. Maybe it's time for you to, to step up and to commit to this body of believers. Maybe it's time for you to find a place to serve. And if you're wondering, you know, where do I even start? How do I even get connected here? I, I want to just highlight again uh, that one of the best things that you can do is to be a part of our spiritual gifts class that's coming up Saturday, November the 9th. There's more information on it in your program. It's going to happen over at our Carmel campus. We've got lunch taken care of, childcare is taken care of, and we're going to spend the day helping you discover how it is that God has gifted you to serve this family, to serve his church, and to reach the world. And I think that would be a great first step for many of you. You can sign up at our info hub this morning. You can go online to genesischurch.me, click the What's Happening tab, and you can sign up online. But what's your next move? Maybe, uh, maybe you're new here this morning and you're just checking this out and you hear me talking about family, okay? And I just want to reemphasize that we're not a perfect family. We don't claim to be, uh, but we are always looking for new brothers and sisters to come and be a part of this family. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come down front at the end of the service. I'm going to be here. I would love to talk to you more about what it means to be adopted into the family of God. What does it mean to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and to be a part of this family? I'd love to talk to you more about that. I'll be right up front here. You don't have to have it all together to belong here. This is a place where outsiders will continuously become insiders because Genesis Church is a place of new beginnings. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you this morning for the church. I thank you for inviting us into this family where uh, we are all children of the king and we have the most important thing in common. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for the guidance and the direction that we receive from your word. And I pray this morning that if there's an attitude of our hearts, Father, or a thought in our minds that is not aligned with your word, that you would convict us of that, that you would change our thinking. Father, pull our eyes off of our preferences, off of our wants and our desires, and instead find us asking, Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, what do I need to do differently? We are after your glory, Lord. We are after your heart. Lead us in these things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.